on one hand, you're supposed to patiently wait for the aha moment. On the other hand, you're supposed to like go get after it. This is a kick in the arts. A couple of comedic cunts concentrating a conversation on creativity to connect a continuing community of creative comedic cunts. I'm Kelsey, a visual artist and graphic designer based in Bozeman, Montana. And I'm Marissa, an actor, comedian, business owner, and side hustler in Los Angeles. This episode is brought to you by OneBox. Are you tired of managing all your subscription boxes? The average person has subscription boxes for food, clothes, makeup, razors, weed, wine, not to mention the stacks of Amazon Prime boxes building at your door. Most days you can't even enter your house. There's just too many boxes. Well, now you can conmarie your life and tidy up your doorstep by minimizing all your deliveries to just one box. Literally everything you need in life will be sent to you in one simple one box. Eliminate the guilt that comes with the surplus of cardboard you are personally adding to landfills and the shame of hiding from your fed up FedEx delivery person. Imagine the life where you will never have to leave your house again and the only outside contact with another human you have to have is the sound of your doorbell just once a month. And now it's possible with OneBox. I think OneBox is an actual company, but for a different purpose, and they're definitely not a real sponsor. Something awesome happened this week. It was the tits. Ah, but something stunk this week. It was the pits. This segment is called The Tits and Pits. My tits was that... I've been working with this client for the past eight months or so on this project that I thought it was going to take like three weeks max and it's now the end of May and we still haven't completed the project and I am leaving to work on the river in three days so I finally had to come to the realization that I wasn't going to be able to complete the scope of work we set out and We had already gone far over budget and rounds of revisions and our timeline. So I just had to make the really hard choice of saying no relative to last week's episode. And um, it's pits for me because it's just a hard thing for me to do. And I feel like I'm letting people down. But at the same time, I also feel like I've bent over backwards on this project try to get it done and it just keeps going on and on. So anyways, I sent her an email yesterday, um, kind of explaining my reasons why I was going to have to quit. Um, gave her the current design files, which I didn't have to do and forfeited the money that they owed me besides the deposit because I felt like I worked (laughs) a lot over time on it for just handing it over at this point. So, and it's, so it's also a pits just because I'm, I'm losing the money and time that I did spend on it. Um, so it's kind of a hard lesson to learn. Um, but ultimately feel good about just cutting it off and saying no. If you didn't have to like leave for the river, would you have still said no? Um, I was back and forth on that. That was just kind of a hard out. I needed Uh kind of something like that to be able to say no um that's a really good question because I should have just long ago because she just keeps on saying like oh can you do this one more thing I don't have any more in the budget (laughs) I'm like well no then no 
Like you either have to choose one of the designs that we picked and not be so nitpicky about it or come up with more money. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And that's where it's just like, it's sucky too on a project like that because you just get stuck. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody's got to give either they've got to come up with more money or I have to say, okay, well, I'll do one more revision on this for you. You know, and that's that's just totally not fair. And she's done that multiple times. Like I worked on their logo first and this was a label for their project um, as well as a, a style guide I worked with them on. And they just, it's just not worth the money, honestly. And there's, it's one of the first times, maybe the first time I've had to fire a client like that. Well, and unfortunately, and I'm not blaming you, but like when designers do let things like that slide, it's client training. Like it trains the client that that's okay. Yeah. I know other industries, or uh, I know a uh, he does like music videos and he didn't give like how many revisions were allowed in the uh, contract. And so now he's in this perpetual like editing cycle where he's just bound to this thing for months. And it's, it's not fair. And it's just free labor at that point. Yeah. Well, and then that, that's exactly why I do line out in the contract how many revisions. So it's really up to me to stick to it and say, no, you signed this contract. Well, and I guess I did. I said, like the last like two rounds ago, I said, you know, if you want to make these additional edits, then I'm going to have to charge you at my hourly rate because we're past the rounds, you know, the number of revisions we set out. And so she said, mm-hmm. okay, like, so then she scaled way back, like what she wanted to see and said like, well, can you just do these two things and include that in the last round? So I said, yeah, you know, it's just like those little kind of like, gives that yeah and then it just turns into and then then it turned into she wanted to do this whole booklet along with the label that would go along with and like that's not part of a label does that's not the same scope of work and what I don't get is that she when we first kind of connected she has worked for these like pretty big food brands and so I would assume knows what kind of budgets go into their types of labeling. So she's like taking this project from that angle when it's a budget of like a small family startup. So she's just being way too overly demanding for this type Mm -hmm. of project. And I didn't really, you know, of course, like I have integrity in my work too. And I want it to be of that caliber, even though it's not a corporation. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think that's the hardest part for me is just like wanting to do really good work and working with people, even though the, like the budget's not there. I still want to do my best work. So sort of just letting it go and saying, yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to put my foot down on that type of stuff. Do you think it'll be easier the next time you have to say no or shut down a project midstream? Maybe. I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about last week was the more you do that and practice that, the better you get at it. And... Yeah, I mean, as of lately, and it's not even so much business, like, I don't know, I ha- maybe I talked about this last episode too, I like had to break it off with somebody I was dating recently, and because I've had those kind of hard conversations before, now it doesn't seem as hard to call somebody up and say that, so I think the same is with business, like, just facing it, because I've done it before, it's easier each time, but it's really those in-between things like I was explaining like 
just bending it just a little bit, pushing it a little bit further than you're mm-hmm. really wanting to to that accommodate area. Yeah, to accommodate for somebody else. That's where I really struggle when it's not like a hard no. It's just like uh, okay, but that's the last one. <laughs> I don't know, but then you just get taken advantage of. So I guess short answer is yes. I feel like it will get easier and easier to not take things so personally and take it from a business standpoint where it's just like, that's what, that's what the contract says. That's why I do this contract and just refer to that as that's, yeah, that's our legal agreement. So I can't, sorry, figure like, let's figure out how to resolve it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, What was your tits? So tits like kind of goes along with that because it felt like a triumph to finally cut myself off from that project. And even though I lost a lot of time and money, it was a good lesson learned and I feel like such a sense of relief. So that was it. Also just wrapping up other work projects this week where I feel like I finally am getting over this hurdle. Like I don't have such a long to-do list of moving and work and whatever where I can see the light that is the river for the summer and just kind (laughs) of... wrapping things up these things up so that feels really good and got to um wrap the gallatin this week which is <laughs> raging right now so that was super fun to or I don't know it just made me more excited about uh working on the river this summer because up until this point I've been kind of a little like eh, I don't know I guess I'm excited but just being out there to re- was a good reminder of why I do it awesome how about you I guess my pits was I came off of like a few really hard days and different production jobs, just really insanely long days. And then at the end of it, instead of feeling like satisfied, I instead have been feeling a little insecure and lost about my next moves in life. Because if your perpetual um, inner battle is deciding whether like you want to stay in Montana or if you want a more like corporate design job, mine is like should I move forward on working in production and moving up there or stick with gig life? And so I had a lot of good gigs and was like, I'm not doing any performing and I'm not happy about it. So that's kind of what we'll talk about later in the episode is like when you're at a crossroads, like how do you make those big decisions of how to move forward? I think I'm figuring it out, but I don't know. I'm still a little feeling a little lost. But my tits was that after those like really long hard days and like a long few months in general, I finally have taken like two honest days off of like not even opening my email. That's nice. (laughs) I honestly was like, oh, I guess I could do like an hour of something. And I'm like, no, hard day off. Like like, (laughs) hard no on work, like read a book. Uh, like a, a fiction book that has nothing to do with my industry read a magazine did like so nice <laughs> <laughs> and the magazine I read happened to be about like self-care I know people do self-care in many different ways some people like to go for a run like I literally just did me not even like sitting down at my desk for like two whole days has been so clarifying and refreshing. And I'm like ready, I feel like ready to tackle some things on my to-do list that have been haunting me for a while. Mm-hmm. Yay tits, time off. But <laughs> but I have to watch out because it's a slippery slope because now I have like plans for this weekend and like it could be those two days could easily turn into four days of no productivity. So, eh, <laughs> it's all right. 
But yeah, maybe maybe that's okay. It's a labor day. It's a holiday weekend. It's now Memorial Day weekend. Like, maybe I will. Summertime, baby. <laughs> Watch me. At some point in this episode, we need to clarify that this is our 10th and final episode of season one, and uh, we're celebrating. Yeah, we are. <laughs> By having a little uh, podcast drinks. When I was at Trader Joe's buying two bottles of champagne, uh, the cashier asked if I was celebrating, and I was like, no, it was just a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> and then I was like, actually, no, you know what? I am celebrating. I think, you know what? It's been a goal that we set out to do and just tackled it, and it's gonna, by the time this airs, like, it's, we did it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I can't remember if we talked on or offline about this, but, um, there was, it was maybe, like, around recording the fourth or fifth one, I was just like, eh, we can just stop doing this now. <laughs> Honestly, like, I don't know, I think that's when we, when we finally launched the first episode, and... I was like, you know, the first, I mean, it's still pretty rough, but the first couple ones especially, I was like, why are we doing this? <laughs> and was super busy <laughs> with life in general at that point. It was just like, all right, the, pos- the podcast is the first thing to slide, but I feel like it does feel like an accomplishment to get past that hurdle. And like, I, and now I really, it's become a routine of looking forward to recording them and listening back. And I think for me I even I don't know I even just thought about in our old age however long we live 20 30 years from now will we be able to just like listen to this audio <laughs> and have these recorded conversations that we wouldn't have otherwise so uh-huh. uh well cheers again Dink. now it's time for our pawn run an exercise for us to jog our brains and sneaker in some of our best gag-worthy puns, even if some of them are a bit of a stretch. This week's pun subject is art supplies! Because we are artists and it's about time. So, on your marker, get set, glue! <laughs> oh my god. I'm just gonna brush that one off. <laughs> Hey, take it easel. These are going to be some paintful puns. <laughs> Having a drink while doing this has me palette. <laughs> How does Peter Pan create art? How? Ink or bell? Well, then Captain Hook comes in with a scissor me timbers. <laughs> <laughs> Who was Bob Ross's favorite president? <laughs> uh, George Brush? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, some of the presidents can be so shady. Uh-huh. They try to frame other people. They're just so sketchy. Oh man, you are killing me with oil, these good puns. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about the ceramicist who smoked too much pot? <laughs> oh, I didn't realize the setup was a pun too. <laughs> I was going to say he was glazed and confused. <laughs> okay, we have to talk about how good that one was. <laughs> what art tool can you use to cure diseases? Um, I don't know. Penicillin. Oh. How did the sketch artist charge people to see his art? Uh, I don't know. Pay-per-view. <laughs> what was Barack Obama's slogan to become president of the art club? I don't know. Yes, we canvas. (laughs) 
What does Hillary Clinton wear in her art studio? A paint suit? Yes. <laughs> a sensible paint suit. <laughs> I'm I'm with erase her. <laughs> and now it's time for deep, deep subject. subject. So today for our deeper subject, we wanted to talk about moving forward and how to make the big decisions and essentially curate your path as an entrepreneur and person. <laughs> yeah, that side tells me something. <laughs> um, you were just telling me a little bit about some of your gigs versus production work. So why don't you just start with talking about that? So I'm on the perpetual battle of whether I kind of take on a real kind of lasting production job for just like income and stability because I'm admittedly just a little exhausted of gig life at this present moment. Um, and I've had some opportunities arise where it would be like seven hour days, five days a week for six months, or sorry, six weeks, and that I could just like stack up money and then be done. But that also was like, then I can't do anything else for six weeks. So it's just that like per perpetual dilemma of like, I can't, don't like committing to a real job uh, that because it always comes back to, but then I can't perform. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like that always kind of is what it boils back to is like, I want to perform. I want to act like I love all my other side jobs, but I, like performing and acting is my it's just always going to be my number one. Like, I'm 30. Nothing's going to change about that at this point. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm kind of still like, well, performing isn't paying any bills. So I just don't know exactly what to do kind of for, like, my goal for even, like, this summer, like, the next few months. Like, what am I going to focus on to progress? Mm -hmm. And what will make me happy? And what will make me rich? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so in interesting because it's, as we explained, it's part of the reason we started this podcast because we often find ourselves on these, having these same conundrums in, in such different worlds. Um, mm -hmm. Because I feel the same way about going to work on the river for three months. It's like, I'm not, I'm barely creating artwork at that point. And I'm taking myself completely out of that world to do that and just that. And that's really hard for me, even though, I mean, granted on the river, I get to do some sketching and share my work with people. And, you know, there's some networking that goes in there, but otherwise it's really like not in the studio creating work. So it's same sort of conundrum for me. Whereas you're doing production in Hollywood and I'm like guiding on the river in Idaho, <laughs> but, and it's so... <laughs> Those, like, there's so much similarities between those two things. Like, both industries are kind of, like, male-fronted. They're both a lot of, like, technical gear stuff you have to learn. They're both kind of physically demanding with long hours. Like, it's a, there's so much similarities between your river job and production, I swear. <laughs> it's crazy. So how did you decide to go down the path of river guiding looking back? That, for me, was something that found me rather than me seeking it out. Um, I think after my first trip down the Middle Fork, I, I don't know, just seeing the guides' lifestyles and 
that they were not just this one thing. They were many different things, you know, that much more beyond just being a river guide, you know, they're artists and entrepreneurs and ski bums and teachers and whatever. And so it just, it gave me this realization that just because I have an established career already in the design and art world doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to do anything else or be anything else. So for me, it was really just something that I instantly fell in love with and that I wanted to try on um, as something I'd never done before. So part of it was just like the thrill of doing a seasonal something new, something entirely new, a seasonal job, a physical job um, to keep learning and growing. And, and yeah, and like, I guess last summer it wasn't really about the money at all. And this summer it totally is, but <laughs> Um, or not, you know, at least that plays more of a factor too, because I realized like, oh, how much that, how much you can make and that that can float me a lot throughout the rest of the year, um, doing other things. Uh, so working really hard Mm -hmm. for those three months can be really worth it. Of course, I have a couple other, you know, solid gigs too that have kept me afloat, but, um, so yeah, I guess it was a combination of things that, you know, and I said, I guess in the back of my mind too, it was just like, let's just try it. It's not forever. And I think I've learned a lot about who I am and what I want and how to move forward more than being in this mode of, well, I might not like that, so I'm not going to try it. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of really interesting things in there. So do you have an offer right now to work? Uh, nothing that's like directly on my plate, but there was there was a, an opportunity that I was like in talks with to be like an art PA on a sci, sci-fi channel show uh, for, yeah, like six weeks. Um, or I could, you know, just be actively pursuing the, like a more regular production mm-hmm. thing. I feel like I... I I, again, like, I feel like I've had a lot of those things kind of, like, floating around me lately, just in, like, my connections and conversations where it, it seems plausible to have that. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because just the nature of where I've worked that I've heard those conversations or if it's the universe trying to be, like, Psst, do this. <laughs> mm. And it could just be, like, I, I'm a little, like, just tired, like, I... Of everything, but like mm-hmm. th- that's not gonna go anywhere. I'm gonna have to keep hustling on this, like, and that's part of like being an artist. That's part of like being an actor, is like or even anything in the film industry in Hollywood, or like you are always have to hustle for your next job. That's perpetual. So I'm gonna have to get rid of that thought <laughs> real quick. Yeah, I think part of it is that sort of security becomes really enticing. And I I don't, I mean, in some ways, I, for me anyways, if I have that routine and know that, okay, like with this job, my bills are covered. So whatever extra time I have can go towards pure creative work. So there is some, I don't know, some give and take there, I guess. Because I don't know if I'm actually that much more productive now being freelance than I was when I was 
full-time designer and would paint at night. Um, mm-hmm. I would often feel creatively tapped by the end of the day to do anything, but at the same time, I was making a lot more money and, um, and still, I mean, producing nearly as much. I was also in roller derby at the time, so that took a lot of my time, but, um, you know, once I got on that kind of schedule of like, okay, I'm going to paint for a couple of hours when I get home from work, then I, I think I kind of functioned a lot better. Mm-hmm. I still was able to squeeze those stuff in. And, but at the same time, it was just as tiring as the gig life or as things are now. And now I feel like I'm able to, well, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like exhausting not knowing where your next paycheck is coming from. But I also feel like I have a lot more time to slow down and enjoy the journey, enjoy my life. A lot more. I have the time to go to a yoga class at 10 o'clock in the morning with a friend or walk my dog in the middle of the day, take a break and go rafting for three months, you know, like <laughs> just that kind of, that kind of freedom so nice too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So assuming that I'm just going to stick with gig life, I'm kind of debating what I'm going to focus on the next three months, whether it's groundlings again or going hard for stand-up or doing like a play or something like act like real acting um because like a lot of like the past like like I don't know this whole year I guess has been a lot of multitasking being spread thin and I kind of just want to focus hard on like one thing Mm -hmm. I'm kind of at a crossroads there so say like for work life I stick with gig life how do I decide what to focus on? I mean, that's a tough one. I think there are a lot of different ways to make those decisions. You can look at it from an angle of what brings you the most joy at the moment, which I think is always a great decision maker. Mm-hmm. What's giving you the most opportunity? Money is the decisive factor. That's a tough one. That's like something that's, I think, really internal. And I think... I think what helps me with those types of decisions, if I know it's for a few months, is that it's for a few months. That's not that long of a time. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I agree with you too that you, we do have to focus in on certain things every once in a while to get anything accomplished. Or, yeah. you know, it kind of speeds up the progression in that one thing if you're not spreading yourself so thin. So I think that's smart. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has to be all or nothing, but maybe just for a little while. Yeah, like I think I am just feeling like I've just been grinding my gears, but I'm like on a treadmill, like not going anywhere. Mm. Uh, so I, I want to go hard on something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the answer I keep coming back to is stand up. Because um, with Groundlings, like, yes, I passed my intermediate class and I, I could progress onto the next level. But I also want to retake it just because I want to be the best. Like, I want to be the best performer I can be for my for the sake of my other improvisers on stage. And I'm not in any rush to like be a groundling. So like, if I'm gonna retake that level anyways, I can wait till the fall. Mm-hmm. Like I feel, I always feel like I get rusty in between. But if I'm gonna retake it, like fuck it, uh, I can wait till the fall and then. 
this summer just like go hard on stand up because I I think when I feel depressed and anxious about life it's because I'm not performing mm-hmm. and stand up gets me on stage. Mm-hmm. And then I, and that makes me write, which makes me happy and that makes me speak into a microphone in front of an audience, which makes me happy. <laughs> And ultimately, maybe taking a little break from this class that you just took will give you a little bit of time and perspective going back into it. You know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I think we all need that rather than just hammering away at something to get it accomplished. Sometimes a break is just what you need to look at it from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And I I, I mean, I feel like stand up and improv go hand in hand, really. They do, but I don't like doing them both at the same time. How come? Uh, I think I've talked a little bit about it before. It's different levels of control, and uh, it's like different different learning processes. So, like they do kind of go hand in hand, but it's listening to the person you're on stage with versus listening to the audience and like writing, being in control, being able to like tweak little things every night versus like you only have this one minute mm. like or these three minutes on stage. And for me right now it's being in front of an audience or being in front of class. So it's the more I, the deeper I get into both, the, the more separate they seem. And I'm like, how are people can like lumping these two art forms together? Mm. I'd be like, I don't know, muralism and pointillism. I don't know. That's a bad example. But... <laughs> Or I guess like graphic design and visual painting, where I guess those things definitely assist in each other, but... Yeah, they're totally different. It's totally different at the end of the day, yeah. Well, I guess that's why I asked why you don't like doing them together, because they are totally different, so don't they just inform each other rather than negate each other? I mean, and maybe I'm speaking from a place of fear and overwhelm when I am doing both. I maybe because I have been in classes where I'm doing stand up and like every night too, and I think maybe it is just like so much growth and putting myself out there every night that it gets scary. So, but I but I think I've like you know kind of talked about fear and like kind of conquered a lot of that stuff in the past few months, where I feel like I've grown a lot, um, and kind of ready to take on some stand up stuff that maybe I've been afraid of. Like approaching new clubs and approaching bookers and putting together like a online pitch piece that I can send to bookers that I could, you know, travel with, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe I keep maybe I'm just like talking myself into it. <laughs> well, yeah, I was gonna say it kind of already sounds like you have your answer of where you should put your efforts. So I guess like to open it up a little bit and not make it so specific to my dilemma, what do you do? If, like what should someone do if they're at a crossroads? To make the next decision? Like deciding a major. Like because sometimes like for example, you had a hard out to say no to a client or to shut like, you know, to make an end with a client. So like sometimes sometimes life just gives you those hard options, but then sometimes like I feel like for me right now I'm free falling. So mm-hmm. how how do you make those hard outs for yourself if you don't have a river job that's going to take you away for three months? <laughs> that was a really funny laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a hard one because I. I constantly fluctuate between 
trying to be in control and letting, quote unquote, the universe take care of things and push me in the right direction. And I don't know, I often feel like personally I try to push things too quickly and I just want to know the answer right now and want to make the decision and make the action right now. I don't want to wait around to hear what the universe has to say. <laughs> I'm just going to call it the universe. I'm sorry. Like, it, it sounds so, like, blah. I just, like, and and part of that is just being really uncomfortable with uncertainty and wanting control over where my life goes and make sure I'm living my life in the best way and in the fullest way. Like, I constantly think about that. Yeah, for sure. So somehow you have to live life where you're sinking into it and really listening and absorbing and hearing what your next direction should be, but at the same time living life to your absolute fullest, which sounds like a sense of action. It sounds contradictory, right? Like, on one hand, you're supposed to patiently wait for the aha moment. On the other hand... You're supposed to like go get after it and do just do it right like that's that's what's always been the hardest thing mm-hmm. for me and I think it's knowing it comes with a lot of just knowing when to take action and when to sink into where you're at and be in the present moment to really listen to where you're supposed to go next and when I say listen I mean kind of your intuition, um, certain clues that life gives you, I think. And that takes, to to get those sort of answers, you have to be still. You have to give yourself time. If you're in motion, you're not going to catch it. Say you're someone who kind of has, like, really no idea of, like, where they really want to go. Let's make up a person, just, uh, you know, like a, a college-age person, you know, I think they make people de- define their majors and stuff way too early. But someone in their, like, young 20s who just kind of doesn't really know what to do with life, like, what should they do? I don't know. I'm an advocate for trying things. Mm-hmm. So you're not – I don't think you have to make any kind of big decision. Like, yeah, college is a big one because you're spending a ton of money and you don't know what the fuck you want to do. I think, I mean, times have changed, right? So I'm not saying, like, you have to try different majors, but just dipping, getting your feet wet in different things so you learn about yourself and learn slowly what you like and don't like, and with that come different connections. So it's a sense of taking action, but not, like, all in until you really hit something that catches you but you have to try like life's just not gonna come to you and tell you what to do you have to just try out different things essentially oh that sucks I really wish life would come to me and tell me an answer right now (laughs) like seriously like and I think like you know you're kind of talking about like if you just kind of like sit in it and like you follow your intuition but like I've I've been following my intuition and making my life and carving it out, but, like, I'm like, all right, just give me, like, am I doing it right, life? Like, give me yes or no. Like, (laughs) I'm listening, life. (laughs) Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, it's easy to get 
sort of lost in that and when you haven't when you go I don't know when you go a long time without feeling any real validation or I don't know just yeah. I often I often hit those points just like why am I doing this like <laughs> does anyone even care do I even care um there's a lot of other things I could or should be doing or different ways I could be living life like for me I think about I, that I should be traveling more, for instance. Like, I could have gone to so many different countries by now if I just would have given up my life here and, you know, just worked my way across the globe. Like, that could have been an option. Um, and still is an option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you said it earlier that you know now at your heart of hearts that performing is always going to be a thing for you. And for you, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that you knew that from a very young age. Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> that's all you've ever wanted to do. Yes. But I, I, that's, it's so cliche, like, came out of the womb being like, look at me. But, like, to my knowledge, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I never recall anything else. Oh, I mean, I remember my, it was like sophomore year of high school, I was worried about what my college major was going to be. Like, I wanted to know my path and I think I even took like a career quiz at that stage when I was 15 or 16 and that's maybe when mom suggested graphic design for to me for the first time because it was a lot of just like looking at what I did with my free time and I, I mm -hmm. think that's good advice like what do you like to do or what would you do if you didn't even get paid for it and for me it was like Spending a lot of time on the computer making stupid stuff in Photoshop or, like... Yeah. I always... I asked for... Since I was a little kid, I asked for an art kit for Christmas. Some sort of either art supplies or a instrument. Musical instrument. <laughs> um, so I knew I had those two paths. And luckily we had parents and family that encouraged whatever we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always knew I was going to be kind of in the art or music realm. Yeah. Uh, for others, that's – that. even that part of it isn't narrowed down so much. Well, if I think about it, like, teenagers are supposed to be, like, declaring their major when, like, uh, how do they even know that graphic design is even a job? Like, I don't know – I didn't know that half – I'm still learning about jobs that exist that, like – oh, like, that would have been – I don't know, I just read an article about the producer, one of the producers of Saturday Night Live, and her major was, like, journalism or, you know, just backtracking her. But had I not known that that was even, like, a job that someone could aspire to, like, I didn't know of any real jobs when I was in high school. I knew of, like, waitressing and <laughs> being a vet. <laughs> well, right, it's just, it's just so not that black and white and so not that linear and that, I mean that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with the river guiding thing that's something I would never I never even dreamt of I remember in college we were on a just a day raft trip and maybe it wasn't during that time but mom asked if you weren't doing what you're doing what would you do and I said oh I think it'd be cool to be an outdoor guide and that's the only time I ever expressed hmm. doing something like that but I kind of thought because as I said earlier, because I went into the graphic design major and went down that career path, and that ship had sailed for me. And mm -hmm. as I said, I realized that it doesn't have to be all or nothing like that. And I think that's 
a huge weight off. And I've even come to realize how much those seemingly different industries are now coinciding so perfectly. Like this week I've been working on doing a map of rivers in the West for a river company illustrating like different rivers and national parks that I've <laughs> explored and seen and uh, getting paid to draw this, you know, like, so, so I think, and so much of that has just come from my own passions and saying like, oh, I want to travel national parks and I'm going to draw them because I like drawing. And then somebody notices <laughs> and now that's a job I'm doing, you know, like that's not a career I could have graduated from college and, or that's not a career, but like, that's not a job that I could have been like, oh, I want to illustrate river maps when I'm older and this is what I'm going to do. You know, that was not something, it was just kind of by following these different things that I really loved that all culminated into something. So that's what, that's why I gave the advice of just trying things and, you know, whether it's going to result in any financial gain, I think just doing what you love leads you a lot of the times in the right direction. With the, like, you never know where paths will lead you. Leave, lead you. Hi, Mimosa. Um, <laughs> like, I think it's easy to think that you have to have it all figured out by the time you're 25. But I know people way older and all different ages that are tackling on, like, new businesses and, like, new pursuits. Like, there is no timeline for that in life. And no. I think we need to shake that up. Yeah, and it's everybody everybody knows it, yet there's so much pressure put on young people to have it figured out. Yet Yeah. Um yet people of all ages, like you said, are still figuring it out. And I think that's that's part of life. I would not want to ever have it all figured out. I mean, I don't know. That might be nice and relaxing, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just this its this grand illusion that we grow up with that is kind of this super linear path and, like, you're supposed to know it all by a certain age and then you pass that, you surpass that age and then far surpass that age and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Um, and it's just so, it's just such a series of baby steps and we're all such unique beings that, you know, we've talked about this before, just an authenticity of like being uniquely you is going to get you further than anything. Um, because huh. just having that, you know, like those niche, niche, however you want to say it, um, kind of perfect careers that people end up with, it's because they are they have these such like unique set of values and passions that go together, I think, or, mm -hmm. or, or that makes up who they are, that make them the only, that make them either the expert in their field or like the only person for that or one of the only. Mm -hmm. It's the unmistakable creative idea. Shout out to the podcast, Unmistakable Creative. I know, that's one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> I, I think, like, I won't be able to pull it up right now. Uh, the, like, yesterday, like, lying in bed, first waking up, being like, I'm wondering about life. It was like, 
How to Carve Out Your Life Path by Unmistakable Creative is now available. <laughs> Gosh, I, I mean, I had a similar moment this morning. I went to yoga and right before, I, I kind of just let my mind wander the entire time. I wasn't super um, in it or meditative and we were like waking up from Shavasana and I like in an instant was like, man, I really just got to be more patient with life. And then she read this quote about being patient in your yoga practice and not trying to hurry or rush things and just letting things evolve like a tree with the seasons. <laughs> and I was like, it was within like 30 seconds I had this thought in my mind and then she read it out loud. And I was like, oh, and it's not that she, it wasn't even that the instructor set that out as a theme for the practice. It just ultimately what I came to after that hour. And I was like, wow. so that's so like that's a good example yeah I mean that's a good example of just like little signs that like oh just from doing this practice for an hour now I've come to this realization that by giving myself just a little bit of time to and I was like I said I wasn't trying hard for anything didn't have any intentions from the practice other than I needed to stretch my body out because I haven't and just little snippets of direction. You know what's crazy? Okay, I think I even said it like last week that my like and or maybe two weeks ago, the intention for like the new moon was like I'm inviting bigger, better opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then I got these like bigger production gigs. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I get lost is like, okay, cool, I'm getting these these things, but where is my acting opportunities? And, like, maybe it's because I haven't been focusing as much on that. I haven't been investing in stand-up and, so to speak. So. So that's where I'm, like, a little, like, in a quandary with the universe. I'm, like, or I'm maybe I'm being, like, too specific from what I want from the universe. No, I think you have to be super specific. Universe, I want a highly paid acting job. <laughs> But you also have to have patience. Yes, damn it. <laughs> but I mean, I meant, I meant that I'm right there with you, right there, right. Blah, blah, blah. Hi, wine. Um, <laughs> um, I'm right there too. Where it's there's there's these only just little triumphs in what I'm doing that keep me going, in just having and still just having faith that like it's going to work out. And there's this, I think there's this myth in many artistic fields or any field really of like the big break. But the truth is successful people have worked so much Mm -hmm. to get, to get that big break. It's not like, I mean, yeah, there are the kind of Cinderella stories where it's just like somebody got discovered and got into it and blah, blah. You just don't see the behind the scenes of like the, work of just rolling this ball up a hill slowly and then yeah maybe you finally get to start rolling it downhill for a little while maybe just a little while you know it's that's a weird metaphor but I think you get it right Uh yeah I love hearing those types of type of stories um of just people's weird intricate paths to 
how they got to where they are because it's not, it's almost never like, this is what I wanted to do. I set out and I did it within five years and reached my goal and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like an anomaly just because I graduated with a degree in four years and then got a career in that degree. That doesn't, hasn't happened since the 80s. <laughs> for, for like, most. <laughs> to a single well, person. I, <laughs> it's just not, it's just not common anymore. No. Um, before, it's like, if you went to, yeah, like, 20 years, 30, what year is it? I don't know, 40 years ago, if you went to college, had a college degree at a certain field, you were pretty much guaranteed to get a job in that field. And it's just, I'm almost glad it's not that way anymore because I feel like it's forced our generation to be a lot more creative and kind of forge our own way in a lot different ways. And while we may seem entitled (laughs) or unloyal or whatever you want to call it, um, it's led to some really interesting products and companies and people and innovations because yeah. we just don't have the same opportunities. Interesting generation. What do Woodrow asked me this yesterday? What do you think the gen like what the age will be after like the technology age? Uh, getting back to nature age. <laughs> <laughs> You wish. I know. Well, I I don't know. I almost think there has to be a breaking point where it's just like... Like a retro to the progressive. Nature is cool again. <laughs> I hope so. Like, for the planet's sake, it, we almost won't have a choice. It'll be die or take care of the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's why I say that. It's like, we won't have a choice. I mean, and we're already, we're already moving in that direction. Like, if you think about how much more... Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm in my own little bubble, but like how much more like environmentally conscious or socially conscious or not socially conscious, but like that we are this day and age just because we have more information than we did in like the 60s or 70s about mm-hmm. how where our food comes from and is it sustainable and like, you know, we're like actually thinking about these things now, just starting to mm-hmm. way too late, but it is a thing. It reminds me of the episode of Mad Men where they are on a picnic and they stand up and just leave their trash on the grass. <laughs> I never watched that, but yes, that's a perfect example. LA is the fucking worst. That's ugh. LA really needs to clean up. I really hope that if, when the because the Olympics are going to be coming here, that like we really clean up our city, really help our homeless. Our homeless population is the population of Rapid City. Wow. Imagine everyone in Rapid City, like six, like like sixty thousand people, are homeless in Los Angeles right now. Wow, it's pretty insane. I've even noticed like an influx over the past few years. So like, just because this episode's focus is moving forward, I do hope we move forward on helping yeah. that issue. That's rough. So I mean, how have you made decisions like that in the past? And did you feel like you made the right decision? Hmm. I feel like I have zero regrets. I wish I would have maybe worked harder in my younger 20s when I had better stamina for longer days. Um, But beyond that, like, I'm okay that I have some, like, digressions and 
like, you know, I, I did try to go to beauty school to be like a, like a makeup artist. And like, I, I did try some different things. And if anything, it just made my goals a lot clearer by trying some things off my path. How I've ever decided to do anything, unfortunately, I think to some extent it was, it is what was easiest or most convenient on why I've chosen to do certain things. Um, I went to the acting school I went to because I got a scholarship. I do stand up at the places that I'm logistically closest to. Like if I say I lived next to the comedy store, I probably would have started at the comedy store. But you still chose to live where you do. Like Los Angeles or the Valley? Both. Yeah, I think if I do decide to do something, I do do it head first. I don't. I, I can't even fathom what it would be like to want to work in film or comedy and being in a small place. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I know there's like some... There's some degree of like building yourself up and building your resume and skills up in your small town before moving to the bigger city. But for me, that was just never an option. I remember in like fourth grade, I had a picture of <laughs> Eric Von Detten from like Disney Channel on my wall. <laughs> and like being like... What was he in? Brink? Brink? <laughs> like Disney Channel star? I don't know. That was from like Bop Magazine. Yes. And like shouting to my best friend like... He's in LA. He gets to do these opportunities. I'm stuck here in South Dakota. I can't do anything here. <laughs> I'm like, couldn't wait to move to LA. So like that was always clear. Uh, I don't know if I'm answering your question succinctly or not. How did I decide to do certain things? Out of necessity and convenience. Well, and it, it sounds like a lot of it was just ingrained in your heart too. Like you had, it felt like you had no other choice. Well, yeah, necessity, because that's who you are. Mm-hmm. And you knew that. Blessing and a curse to, like, know what you want to do in, with your life from the day you're born. Is there, like, obliged to? Like, yeah. I don't have a choice. I have to. If, yeah. I, if I'm not on a path of performing, I get anxiety. That makes me like the worst human on the planet because like some people are compelled to help others. My Woodrow's mom, my boyfriend's mom is a saint at helping people in like the ICU and people who are, you know, kind of close to the end. Like she is a wonderful woman for that. Like, and has that as her calling. Like me, I just want attention and that's all I've wanted since the day I was born. Like that sucks. I'm... <laughs> Not contributing anything valuable. <laughs> where would where would the rest of the world be without entertainment? Right. Like, without and without an escape. If we need people like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think you know that's what I tell myself to go to sleep at night. Is like, I do, and I do try to actually kind of make my jokes and performing around that like more joyful stuff. Some people are really great at, like, political commentary or, like, commenting on, like, the really dark stuff in life. But, like, for me, I think the joy and bringing joy to people is just going to be my life's mission. I think that's beautiful. That's a perfectly good reason to be alive. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, fair enough. It just seems like petty compared to people who are actually saving lives, but <laughs> but it's all bringing yeah, it's all bringing relief and joy to people's lives in different ways. Why do you think like the entertainment industry is the biggest industry out there? People uh, need it. First of all, I'm not sure about that fact, but yeah, well, I mean, like, one, of, one of the biggest. I don't. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I honestly am in love with acting since like the Greek theater days. Like their lives were so horrible that like going to the Greek theater was a release, and like I'm magnetized to that. I've right. had the privilege of going to the theater of Dionysus, where the first actor was born, and like not born like birthed out of a canal but like stepped out and like was like I'm an actor now um and it's yeah it's just my fucking calling and it's just the way it is I just wish the universe would pay me for it (laughs) (laughs) I mean in that realm I feel the same way as an art a visual artist in the sense that like I constantly ask myself what am I doing this for um, it gives me, of course, like my own personal sense of satisfaction, but does anyone else get anything from this? It's not saving anyone's life. Uh, is it enough to make something that looks pretty? It's like, does it inspire anyone? Should I be saying more politically with it? Like, what? Do, what's it actually there for? What's the point? Hmm. Why spend hours and hours doing it other than I feel compelled to? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel nearly exactly the same way that it feels really selfish. At the very least, I like it. <laughs> you inspire me. And maybe if like all, and not you, but like an artist does in life, if all they do is just inspire the next artist and it's just like the domino effect of just a singular artist, wouldn't... If you change somebody's life and had them make art just based on your art, wouldn't that feel amazing? Yeah, I mean, there's a, a really good quote from uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves. Okay, so I found the quote. It's a long one, so bear with me. Of course, it's like a river reference, too. Creating one thing at a certain point in the river feeds those who come to the river, feeds creatures far downstream, yet others in the deep. Creativity is not a solitary movement. That is, is, that is its power. Whatever is touched by it, whoever hears it, sees it, senses it, knows it, is fed. That is why beholding someone else's creative word, image, idea fills us up, inspires us to our own creative work. A single creative act has the potential to feed a continent. One creative act can cause a torrent to break through stone. And it goes on. But, um, so that's from Women Who Run With the Wolves by, uh, Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, I think is her name. And that always struck me as just a reassurance that just how important our creative acts are and exactly what you're saying in the sense that it feeds us and so many others and has that ripple effect so there's I mean obviously in our culture there's just too much um 
value put on having a profession for money's sake make just making money in general and it's not that we don't need those things and it's not that we don't need to support our families but no matter what decisions we make sticking to those passions and creativity is so damn important yes ma'am yeah i mean i don't know it's very hard to be go from a practical level to a heart level of where to make those decisions from as i said before I think just remembering that nothing is forever and trying something for a little while is okay. It's not the end all. And sometimes you do have to make decisions from a practical level. Like I need to get out of debt. And then sometimes you need to follow your heart. But I think just as long as you don't lose that side of you forever, it's okay to stray for a little while. And then you'll be that much more, um, just motivated and empowered to do that creative work when you're able to again. And I think if you, once you do make that conscious choice to commit to something that give it your all, at least for three months, a hundred days with zero regrets. And then you can take it from there. But what is three months? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the hard thing with any decision. It's like, you always wonder what if, if you chose the other direction. But, so I, I don't know, that's the hard, been the hardest thing for me is like, like I said, just constantly questioning whether I made the right decision. But in my heart of hearts, it, it always feels right or feels a certain way when I know that was the right thing to do, even though it was really hard. Or even though I'm sacrificing something else to do it for you i mean maybe just like flip a coin which one are you rooting for in that millisecond of that coin landing yeah that's a hard one (laughs) i've made it was when i was trying to decide if i really wanted to move to seattle or go back to bozeman and just made a pros and cons list and that one that was a really tough decision for me because i knew it was just going to be like financially really hard I wasn't going to be there for that long and kept I constantly crave that comfort that is Bozeman and my community and friends here um and ultimately went for Seattle just because it was going to teach me the most that hmm. I was going to if I I just knew if I went back to Bozeman at that point I wouldn't continue growing at the rate I was and then sure enough after living six months in Seattle and then another three months working on the river for the first time, I really wanted to come back to Bozeman and have that place of comfort. So it just wasn't the right time. You know, I think there's moments of growth and retreat that we need to go through, just like the trees and the seasons. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's, those cycles are going to happen. And if you try to go, 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 like you were saying, before like if you're pushing all these different things at once you're just gonna get spread so thin and really be spinning your reels and not grow anything because you haven't given you haven't sowed the soil mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak which it doesn't make sense but like i get what you mean <laughs> it doesn't make sense i don't know i'm thinking in the tree of like I'm just like the metaphoric 
branch getting spread thin into a branch that like it's the season where like all the leaves have to shed off and I have to like start again but the soil is like at the bottom okay sure <laughs> okay however you want to think about it. so like and I've, I've even heard like that life paths explain that way where people think it's really linear and like if you really look at it it's like essentially how a tree grows and that you have this path but you go and take all these little other branches on the root <laughs> okay i'm done with the tree metaphor <laughs> <laughs> you're better with the river metaphors <laughs> i mean the river works too rivers work that way as well it was a couple episodes ago episode seven you i asked you about like abandoning an idea for like a design project and like if you're ever lost like boiling back down to the initial inspiration the initial goal and that's not to say it can't change but yeah I mean I think I feel the same way about artwork as you do about performing in the sense that that's always going to be my my guiding light and I it just baffles my mind so often how much I like keep like still have this pull away from it like keep straying from it only to discover that I want Mm -hmm. to return to it um and I don't I wonder if that's necessary like how many times do I have to branch off before I just like solely focus on this commit yeah and it's not like I it's not that I haven't committed but again I'm feeling this pull towards getting back into a real job again um real job like I don't know a design job of some sort that would pay the bills so I can have more money to travel and whatnot and ultimately do more artwork hopefully but like and not stress about the other things. And it's just, I, I keep, it's this like forgetting of what that was like almost. Like it was really hard to make that decision to quit my last job. And now that it's been a couple of years, it's starting to look good again. And I at the same time want to completely cut ties from that last job as I do want to get into something else almost exactly like it. Like, <laughs> why I haven't, have I not learned my lesson? Why is that? No, I've kind of had this like inner circle lately. I recently was at like, let's just call it like a social media base here in LA. And a lot of like the whole floor was like a bullpen of people creating content for video, like for movies and like for movie promotion, social media, etc. And so they're creating comedic bits. They have the budget. They have the everything on location to shoot stuff, writing comedic bits. And I'm like, this is the nine to five of being a comedian. Like, I'm, I'm like, do I want to do that? Uh, but then it's also like, well, if I put my efforts towards writing comedic bits, why not? Why am I not just writing my own comedic bits? So I don't know if that's completely relative, but it's the security of like, I am supposed to show up at 9 a.m., make art and or comedy for eight hours, and then I go home. And it's that, like, 
security if that's what you get to do every day and you're still doing what you love to do and it's just more secure Mm -hmm. versus this like flailing free fall of what it feels like sometimes right now (laughs) yeah well yeah I mean that's ultimately where the urge comes from is the just fear and uncertainty of not knowing what's next Yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth on it constantly. And like I said earlier, I think I right now I've just accepted that I can't do anything, make any of those sort of decisions for the next three to four months. So there's no use in worrying about it at this present moment because it might feel completely different at that point. So it's a little bit by the seat of my pants, a little bit um, sticking to my roots and core passions and values. And then, yeah, following whatever feels right at the moment. I think for me, the next few months, I want to have this goal of like, I want to be a comedic actor. And every single choice, just trying it for a few months, every single choice be in service of that down to like what I eat or what I how I spend an afternoon and just really committing hard to that goal for three months and seeing what happens what will, what will you eat to help you become a comedic actor <laughs> silly string <laughs> I don't know, just like even even like what I mean by that is making the healthiest choices that I'm prepared for a role. Like not necessarily being like a skinny actress, but being physically and mentally healthy enough to take on a script with a lot of, say, heavy dialogue that like my instrument of my body, so to speak, is up to par. So whether that's like, like, uh, practicing, like, tongue twisters every day and, like, practicing my elocution because sometimes our dialogue is wonky. Um, so just, like, every thing, every choice I make just being in service of that goal. I don't know if... I can't guarantee that'll happen because this is me just saying it one random Thursday afternoon, but I'm kind of curious to give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, I like that idea. I... Well, I've always had certain goals and an idea of what I wanted to do. I haven't ever taken just one thing like that and said, like, this is how I'm going to base every little decision day to day. Because if if I'm being truthful, I know that if I wanted to be a more serious artist and if, like, let's say that's my goal then I wouldn't go out drinking with friends. But that's something Mm -hmm. that just provides me release and something that I like to do. (laughs) Well, maybe in the moment that it's, you know, justifiable, like, I don't, I've said this before, I don't think the life of a comedian should be spent in a club every single night. I think you need to go out and live some real life in between all that. Yeah. Because you need material to pull from. I think my boyfriend's aunt once asked me where I get my material from, and I was like, you. (laughs) (laughs) 
And like, and that's the truth. I turned her into a character. Um, I, so I think you still having the balance of being a human and living life, because what is being an artist besides, you know, interpreting life into your art. So I think, I do think you still have to live life, but you know, just really focusing hard on this one clear vision for a few months, I wonder what that'll look like or feel like. Well, and I think that goes back to the decision-making tactic of just trying. Just go down, mm-hmm. pick any path, and just go down that for a little while. And I think the hard part about that for me is because is um, designating what amount of time you should designate towards that and when to pull the plug if it's not, when it's not working. Um because like three months, yeah, that's a decent amount of time. But let's say nothing really comes of it in that time. Then what? Do you keep going? Do you pull the plug? Do you try something else? Do you go back to your production gigs? Well, those those might still have to occur just for paying bills, but not actively pursuing those. Yeah. Like, like other other things will have to still be in play, obviously. But just putting all my creative external efforts outside of, you know, surviving to that. So we've talked about before of having different, that keeping, having different outlets for your creativity takes the pressure off the one thing. So if you have a failure in the one thing, it's okay because... Or if it's not working out, it's okay because you don't have all your marbles in one basket. Is that an expression? <laughs> marbles in a basket? Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> so how how will you deal with that if that's, like, the one thing you're pursuing at the time? I think for three months I need to put all my marbles in a basket. Go all in. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever done that. I don't mean – but, like – to be honest, like I still am gonna have to like run my company. I'm still gonna have to do gig jobs to pay rent. I'm still gonna have to have my pub job. But all my external time, if I'm a hundred percent on something, versus like right now, it's like Monday is this, Tuesday is this, Wednesday is this. Like I wonder what Monday through Friday mm-hmm. on yeah. one thing will look like or feel like. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like I have such little structure in my freelance life with that because it's like I kind of just have to take jobs when they come and then prioritize those to make money when I need to that I don't know if I could put all my marbles in one basket and then once again that's what sounds really nice about having some some sort of steady gig because you can structure your time so much more consistently mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, okay, I know that I'm making enough money here and have this consistency that my bills will be paid so all my free time can go towards my fine art, for instance. Whereas right now I'm just like, well, when I have the time, but if I have this paying gig right now, I have to do it. Right. I'm not allowed to say no right now. Yeah, that's always a conundrum. As soon as I'm like, this weekend I'm going to focus on this, then that's the weekend I get a bunch of gigs and it all goes. Yeah. All my plans go out the window. Yeah. Which I think, you know, is just what comes with freelance life is like being able to roll with the punches 
And I think that makes you seize the opportunity when you can. Like if I'm like, oh, Wednesday evening, I have nothing, but I might have some things come up this weekend. So I better do my fine art on Wednesday because I might have gigs all weekend. Yeah, I think the longer I, like I said, it's been two years since I've been freelance now. And I've learned to anticipate those sort of things. That helps me not procrastinate. Helps me to like take advantage of time that I have because I know myself and I know kind of the nature of it that you kind of just have to jump on it when you have time. And not just assume that you're going to have time because you don't have a steady job. Okay, so speed round to finish this up because we're going to be on a kick in the arts hiatus. Who knows what we'll tell this summer. We might be able to do a couple bonus episodes this summer. We'll see. A few check-ins. Yeah. What would you like to gain over this summer? Gain? Like, what are your summer goals? Oh, God, I haven't even had time to think about it. <laughs> um, I think... Working out there, it's always a learning experience still I mean I think I grow and learn in ways that I never anticipate um I hope to get some inspiration I hope to get some clarity I think just having that immersive nature experience always leads me in the right direction as well personally um I think whereas I'm feeling burnt out right now and computer work and it's interesting because I feel burnt out yet still have this urge for like comfort and security like want to do more of it but I think just being in nature for a few months will uh, reset that a little bit and make me realize how good that kind of freedom is so yeah that's going back to just I hope to gain clarity um I hope to gain a tan <laughs> And have fun. <laughs> let let loose. Did you of, say get a man? Get a tan. Oh, <laughs> it cut out. <laughs> I hope to gain a tan. I mean, I'll I'll take a man too. <laughs> what do you hope to gain this summer? Uh, I want to keep creating. I think the podcast has been a good uh, kind of workout for me to like, uh, you know, once or twice a week, sit down and focus on a project that has an end. Like, I really like the 10 episode goal. So maybe if I have a 10 item goal, or maybe it's like a half hour of stand up. Like I want a good 30 minute set. I guess I need to clearly define this, but I want to achieve some measurable goals. Mm -hmm. So maybe a solid 30 minutes for stand-up. I don't want to say anything else that I can't, like, check back in with at the end of the summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got to take some time to think about it. My goal is to make some solid goals. (laughs) Like money or comedy? Well, that's all a joke for me right now. (laughs) Wait, did you say solid gold or goals? (laughs) goals oh i thought you said to make some solid gold yeah that too i i could do that i just want to feel secure 
in the path I'm on. I'm tired of feeling insecure. I'm tired of judging. I just want to be like a hell yes. I want to feel like a hell yes by the end of the summer. It's a great goal. I would like to feel that way just for a little bit. (laughs) Even. (laughs) A little while. It's time for that. I want to win. I don't know how to make this a goal, but I want a win from the universe. Like, whether that's, like, an acting job or, like, a huge... Like, I know we've talked about, like, the big break is really just a series of little breaks, but, like, I want one. (laughs) (laughs) I want a little break or a big win. I like it. I think that's fine to say. If my goals for the summer are to, like, get a big break, I just have to go out on a limb. There's another tree now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there is something to, it's cliche, but big risks equal big rewards. Like, that's my greatest fear, so I've kind of said all of this same stuff before, and I still feel like I'm in a perpetual cycle. And that's where, like, the bat... That's where the dusty baddies come back into play. Yeah, I mean, I think it's everything that we've talked about the last 10 episodes and why we talk about it because it's all those things are part of the never-ending battle. And if it was easy, we would either all be doing it or none of us would be doing it. (laughs) Because it's easy. Mm -hmm. So it's just whatever you can do to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Was it last week when we left the podcast and you walked outside and there was a double rainbow? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I wish we would have recorded the end of our conversation. I think we stopped recording and just, like, kept talking. And I think I had more clarity in that moment than I have in a long time. But, yeah, I think we wrapped up that conversation with continually pursuing that path of artistry and not giving in in a certain way and then yeah I walked outside and there was a double rainbow and I'm like yes <laughs> <laughs> it's my answer or we were talking about like earth being god and pleasing <laughs> pleasing somebody and yeah. how just being on your path and ultimately pleases the universe so it like that in itself is validation like I yeah I think money and security are validating from other people but I think it comes in a lot of different ways self-satisfaction or just whatever you want to take as a sign that you're doing something right well I hope so (laughs) I like at this day and age I don't know what else I could possibly be doing because it's not like I'm gonna go back to med school (laughs) back to med school (laughs) Okay, coming season two in the fall. It's our new podcast called Back to Med School. (laughs) (laughs) How can we profoundly wrap up our 10th episode of season one? I mean, what do you think? What have we learned? From the point of view of being part of the creation of the podcast, that I think identifying your issue of the week and talking it out is pretty healthy mentally. I think even identifying like the peaks, the tits and pits of your week is kind of awesome. I've never done that before. And it really 
kind of put some landmarks on your life and how you are progressing as a human and an artist. And I think, it, like, for me personally, where I'm at a place that I don't feel like I'm progressing, if I look not even too closely, I think there's evidence that I am. How about you? I think it's reiterated a lot of what I knew or suspected that these things are universal, especially amongst entrepreneurs, anybody going at it alone. And we need to keep building that community to encourage each other on our creative paths because it gets really, really, really hard. And it looks, to the outside world, it looks glamorous. (laughs) (laughs) So it's up to us who are in the trenches to keep patting each other on the back and lifting each other up. And I hope that we can continue talking and hopefully um, not just between you and me, but like we were saying earlier, hopefully have some more outside voices in the future and build upon this conversation and foundation that we started. Well said. Just a couple of cunts. It's Marissa. I just wanted to say thanks to everyone who has listened to A Kick in the Arts this first season. It really means a lot. And I wanted to let you know that there will be some catch-up episodes this summer, so stay tuned. Also, if you could give us a review on iTunes, it helps other artists and entrepreneurs find us, and then hopefully maybe some of what we say can be helpful to somebody else. So thanks again. You'll hear from us soon. Have a great summer. Bye.